0: Good morning everyone. Here with me is the Executive Director of the Juno Economic Development Council, Brian Holst. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Kevin.
0: So I wanted to I wanted to take up the satisfaction survey you brought to us today. The legislative satisfaction survey.
1: Thank you, Kevin. Yes, in partnership with the uh, Alaska Committee, the Juneau Economic Development Council has done a series of, of surveys about visitors to Juneau during the legislative session. <clears throat> a number of those, and they're all on our website on the jdc.org webpage. Under research, you can find old surveys. And we've we've done them primarily that had been intercept surveys at the airport. And so we capture business people, people on business here, as well. Four years ago, we decided to focus on specifically what is the perception of legislators and their staff. Um, And with great cooperation from the Legislative Affairs Office, we were able to conduct a survey directly amongst uh, members and and their staff in 2018. And then we were able to do that again in 2022. So um, the survey is only about um, elected officials uh, here during the session and their staff that are f- out, not from Juno, so it gives us great insights into how well we're operating as a capital city, how well we're hosting the legislature. And so
0: we're we're, we're talking about uh, about uh, over hundred people here,
1: right? In this survey. Yeah. So well, the potential group is, is larger. There's of course there's about sixty members. Um, well, fifty-seven if you take our three out, uh, and then there are their staff, which is can be a couple hundred. All, all in. And so we, we had a great response. Uh, the margin of error, the confidence interval is about um, uh, 6%, so 94% confidence. Meaning, What that means is that uh, there are enough people responded that we can generally have confidence that these views reflect the views of the group. And
0: so what are some of the trends or commonalities?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, there's kind of two ways of looking at it. One is kind of what are people thinking now, and then comparison year to year. So, I mean, overall, Juno received satisfactory ratings from out-of-town legislators um, and staff. Walkability of downtown continues to receive the highest rating. The friendliness of the community, the entertainment, recreation, and downtown look also received our highest ratings. On the not so high side, the ones that those elements that were less um, attractive, the affordability of accommodations was um, the least attractive part.
0: So housing,
1: housing, right? Mm-hmm. It just costs a lot to stay, and then if you have to stay in a hotel, it's 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 expensive. Uh, the options, airport concessions, nothing bad about the current concessions, but just the the options are so limited at the airport. Availability of parking, our snow removal. Apparently not quick enough Um, and transportation options to the to and from the airport those were the elements that were least favorably rated areas to work on Um,
0: and and so you had said there's two ways of looking at it what we what we've got now and what there's been in the past yeah
1: so comparison So we have the ability to compare to 2018 to 2022 Mm. and uh, and so a couple things have changed one is That, um, because housing is so expensive, we're finding out that legislative staff are living in a much broader area of our community. So, uh, a lot more in the Valley, in the McCreek and out the road.
0: As opposed to the assumption that they'd all be downtown.
1: Right. And Mm. and it is clear that their preference is to be downtown. they like to be as close to possible. Um, but probably the good thing is if, if that's a silver lining I'm a p- positive guy um, that was uh, the need for affordable housing is replaced security as the top concern security continues to be a concern downtown um, but much less four years ago it was the top concern and so uh, there is people have noted and also noted in the comments um, a that the downtown experience has improved there was a uh, uh, in 2018, there were a lot of concerns about too many vagrants, the the, the presence, the visibility of, of homelessness made people un, more uncomfortable. Nobody said it's gone away completely, but great to see that um, progress has been made. Um,
0: and so as compared to 2018, what were some of the, I, I don't really know how to put this, but what were some of the more, what were some of the chronic issues that are continuing
1: well, the security's diminished. It hasn't gone away. Yeah. Um, the The access to Juno continues to be uh, a concern. There were in 2018 there were a lot more um, concern about the ferry and the lack of availability. In 2022, 20, there's less concern noted, but we think that's more. But there's also less availability. We think people have just shifted their Focus on the uh, airport access, and in that case, they they've said that they really want um, more flights in the evening. You know, if you're a legislator from not from Juneau and you want to get back um, north to to see family or do some work up there. Uh, evening flights are, are are critical,
0: and and so this survey did more than just ask them. Did did they perhaps suggest anything of what to do to improve Juno? Right,
1: right. We do we do ratings of you know we give them items that they can rate relative, so for, so we can have comparisons year to year. But then we also just ask um, you know questions about you know what would improve, what can local government do to improve, like specifically, what can the people of Juno or local government do to make Juneau a better capital city for all. Free response. And in that, the most common response was more affordable housing. And about 30% of respondents commented about affordable housing in 2022 versus only 18% in uh, 2018. So that's, that's a big increase. Um, security was mentioned by about 15% of of folks improved security, but that's down in 2018. Almost 25% said improved security as compared
0: to 2018, right? So,
1: so it's still a concern, but it's, it's less of a concern, you know, improve the remote access was a bigger concern in 2018 and 2022. It's a much lower concern. Uh, only 8% mentioned that. And we also saw on the data that the legislators and their staff are very satisfied with Gavel, Alaska, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's important to note for the citizens of Juneau here because uh, we have KTO provides that service, but it also is provided with some support from the city and borough of Juneau, provides support to make it so that um, citizens throughout the state have easier access to following the business of the capital, mm-hmm. and very few people in uh, very few legislators or their staff commented that. That having that access was a problem. Only eight percent said it was an issue at all. So that hasn't hasn't has improved. Cleaning up downtown uh, again. About half the people complained about cleaning up downtown in twenty twenty two than they did in twenty eighteen. Just just again, just eight percent. Um, those are some of the bigger changes that we're seeing. Uh, nobody complained about the business hours um, in um, in twenty eighteen but in 2022 there were some complaints about businesses being shut but to be fair to the businesses downtown it's we're still you know dealing with covid i think we're we're mostly out of it but but during the survey there there were still some businesses that were maybe not shut down due to covid but um it's it's been hard to get staff and getting people ramped back up so generally we are seeing positive improvement i think it's a, it's a, it's surveys think we're wise to do this sort of survey and see that the legislator and their staff are generally more satisfied with their experience here in Juneau.
0: And so with their top concern being affordable housing and, and just the topic of housing in general, we saw that the assembly is looking into short-term rentals. And so I was hoping to ask you or if JEDC has any data on these rentals. We, the, the numbers we've been missing is how many listings there actually are.
1: Yes, thanks. Excellent transition. And we have been looking at that. And, and, the, and the Assembly is uh, does need to look at that as a community. Many communities have dealt with this issue, and we're seeing a um, a, qu- a rapid increase in short-term rentals. We've been—it's been tricky getting good data. Uh, the city does have some data. Uh, not everybody timely um, uh, reports when they start an Airbnb like they should. If you're out there and you have an Airbnb or, or similar, you need to report that to the city. So there's um,
0: some difficulty even just getting the data.
1: There's difficulty getting the data, and mm-hmm. we've we've gone to uh, two different firms to help us to. Um, collect the data and they come up with some pretty similar results but not exactly close what they do is they they have they go and they look on the websites online they get during the day during the evening apparently people i don't know if this happens in juno but they will turn off their listing in the evening or in the day oh only make it available, available during a certain point of the day yeah huh? right. only make it available in the evening uh because then local government doesn't who works during the day doesn't see that don't know how true that is or not it could be part of their marketing about their services but anyway they do show us results that show about um, we have 400 plus um, Airbnb VRBO type listings in Juno, and we have seen an increase of, of at least 100 in the last um, year and according to one of our, more, our most recent um, group that that Collected data for us. They've shown 30 in just the last 30 days. However, you look at it, we're seeing a big increase in short-term rentals. Uh, what's what the short-term rental? If you are just a you know regular family, you take a vacation, you put your house up for a week while you're gone, and you earn a little bit of money. That's fantastic. That's great. Where it becomes a concern is when um, people take a house on the market and then remove it from the market just for the purpose of a short-term rental. Um, it's a concern only when that, that housing becomes not available then to someone else in the community. And so, you know, we've, the Juno has been dealing with our, a housing um, shortage crisis for, for many years. We've added as a community 1,200 units approximately in the last 10 years. 1,200 units, which is a lot. Yet today we still have the same or lower vacancy rates than we had 10 years ago. Meaning we're building housing, but it's just not becoming available. Some of that is going to short-term rentals, being taken off the market, but it doesn't account for all of it. We're, we, we have enough data to say that that's not all of it. There are other other things happening. We have people that are aging in place here in Juneau, which is great. We really encourage our um, our, our our seniors to stay in Juneau, and they are. Well, but, but the downside of that is that they don't free up that house for their kids, right? And so their kids... Don't have a place to um, maybe the maybe the parents have a have a home with three bedrooms and they really only need one bedroom.
0: So that could be one of the effects. That
1: is one of the, definitely one of the effects. So that's what that's the harder work that we're we're trying to we're working on is to try to get a better assessment of where is where is the housing stock at and where do the short term rentals play in into this and I think what the assembly is going to be looking at in the future is. One is compliance. want I want to make sure that everyone that has a rental contributes. It, it, it generates, um, you know, uh, it's thirty million dollars a year in short-term rentals that people receive. It, it's uh, and if that number is about accurate, which is one of our sources indicate that it is, that's um, three plus million to the city. So it's real money. It's it's important to those, those families that are participating and in it. It just becomes a problem when. Um, housing units that could go to workers get taken off the market, and we know anecdotally that is happening. We're trying to get our hand on, getting a better number of, of how often it happens to how many people.
0: So the number you, the numbers you shared today, that we're just scratching the surface. Or would you say?
1: We we are. I think we we're start we're having a little bit more confidence because we we looked at a couple firms that have uh, two different outside firms have given us some data. They're similar in numbers, so I think we're getting a good sense of magnitude. Not terribly different from what the city is seeing, What we're trying to get a sense of is the pace that it's going, and then the the critical number that we need to understand is if it's a lot of houses, but they're only a week a week or so a year. That's not a big deal. But where we are getting some data showing that. There are a number of units, could be as high as maybe half the units, that are renting for 90 or more days a year. When you get to past 90 days a year, it gets really hard for a local to then also use that unit. Um, so then we start displacing you know, our families and our workers um, here in Juneau. That's where the, the assembly is going to have to figure out if they need to take any action in, in regulating that market, or we just need to build a lot more homes so that we can have these short-term rentals and have housing for our workers.
0: Well, I have a feeling we'll be talking about this in future programs, Brian. But in other matters, let's talk about JEDC programs. Tell us about your STEM summer camp. I understand you have an update for us.
1: Yeah, science, technology, engineering, math. We know that early STEM education has um, results and better outcomes for our kids. That's why we offer them at, at, at JADC. And we have, uh, we have great sponsors. The Bedito and Francis Cagin Foundation sponsors us to support this, as well as Sea alaska CORE, Alaska, Kensington, Wassman & Associates, and Juno's Imagination Station. Through these sponsors, all of our STEM summer camps are pay-as-you-can models. Meaning, we don't turn anyone away if they can't afford camp, and we also have many families that will. Um, we tell we tell people what what it costs to have a camp, and then we have a suggested price, and we have a lot of generous families that pay the true cost, and in the end, um, it it allows these camps to, to be sustainable. We have some additional camps in July. We have camps throughout July that there there are space for um, kids from ages um, grades. Um, uh, from elementary through um, middle school available. So look at our website. Um, it's on our main page, um, our, our summer camps in July. And we have a, a special free um, uh, summer camp at Greening Park for residents of Greening Park in August. And that's the, uh, again, thanks to the Gageen Foundation for just making that camp available.
0: Very good. And... uh i i actually thought about this uh, other jedc item the other day in thinking about shopping local i had i had wondered how your local frequency app is doing
1: it's it's doing well we have a uh a a lot of a lot of interest uh 1500 folks in juno have downloaded the app we're still building out the businesses it's it's a loyalty program for uh local businesses we're excited that uh Petersburg and Haynes are both interested in the program and we are uh, talking with them about how to expand it in there. They, we collectively went in on a small grant with the Department of Agriculture. They'll give us a few, several thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, to help to promote that program in those communities. And again, the app is about, it's individual loyalty. We, businesses know that if you have a loyalty program, it helps your business. Your customers will be repeat customers. The fun twist on this is that it makes it simpler for the consumer. The consumer has just as one app at multiple programs, and the rewards can be shared across across businesses.
0: So, with uh, within regards to the other Southeast communities, would this be under JEDC, or would it, would they have their own local frequency?
1: It's um, it's part of a the you know we're not an app developer. We identified an app that we liked, and we have the license for the state of Alaska. So, our goal is to Keep rolling this out to interesting community, interested communities um, in the region. It, you know, now, you know what not everyone's a Starbucks and can create this cool app that everyone loves, or McDonald's, or whoever, whatever app. You know, the, uh, Domino's. You know, we've all seen these great apps that you know um, come up with these fun ways to get you to keep shopping there. Uh, so we want an affordable tool that local businesses in Alaska can use that can target that can target help locals make it easier and more fun, more rewarding to shop local. So there's a big market out there, and we're, we're committed to um, um, sharing this with the full state.
0: So southeast frequency someday. <laughs> there you go. All right. We'll have more with Brian after the break. Stay tuned. And we're back with Brian Holst of the Juno Economic Development Council, but... In this part of the program, I asked Brian to put on his school board cap for just but a moment. There's been some developments lately. Brian, I we had saw the me, the special meeting recently regarding the discussions you had with Nana on the milk floor sealant mix-up. And uh, one of the questions that you had posed was, what happens after the June 30th date? What Where does that leave food services? So... I had wanted to ask you to expand on that question what what will happen
1: great so we we have some options first off there's a there 's an ongoing investigation, and we 're in no hurry to make a commitment to this um, to Nana until we 're all clear about what happened. We think we 're pretty clear, but there 's a formal investigation occurring. so what we asked Nana to do was to consider we asked our administration also to consider other options. What options are out there? We know the administration is looking for some options. Uh, there are not a lot of organizations that deliver this uh, sort of service um, in Alaska, uh, much less in Juneau, uh, and one option that we are looking at is a short-term extension of the contract for perhaps 90 days. Uh, that is, I know that's, those are discussions that are happening. Hasn't come to the board yet. We'll have to make that final determination, but but that seems reasonable to me while we let the investigation um, run its course so that we uh, really understand what happened. And it can make sure that um, in any um, longer-term contract, whatever recommendations emerge are part of that contract.
0: And about the investigation, from what we last heard, it was – Robert Palmer, who will be heading up that investigation, but I, I, after that, we have not heard much else.
1: Right, that's that's mostly correct. Um, it, it, Robert, we've asked the board asked Robert Palmer to not to lead the investigation, but to identify oh. for the board a third party investigator. So the timing's great. Tomorrow uh, we are having a special meeting of this of the um, June board of education that um I believe at four or four thirty in the afternoon, and the first part of that meeting will be focused on on this third party investigation. So, what Robert Palmer has done is produce for us a for the board some options to consider. What we're doing here is well, there is there are lots of people that are investigating. So, one it's helpful to have somebody that can consolidate it all.
0: You got the state, uh, general police did one, the city. Yeah.
1: Yep, um, Nana's done their own. The uh, yep, the a couple departments at the state are, are doing them. A couple divisions, all really important. So we want someone to bring it all together. But we also thought let's have somebody that's not in the school district bring it all together. Who knows what we'll decide when we get together? Because seven people have to decide. But I'm, I'm sort of leaning in that direction, mostly because we just want to create um, um, a lot of confidence in the community, restore their confidence. Uh, we don't want anybody to think, oh, we, we've got some agenda here about trying to make ourselves look good or or, or not. Um, and also, I think it gives a bit a little more chance for learning. You're bringing a third party that has some expertise in this sort of problem or situation, and you know they're probably more likely than somebody internally perhaps to be able to have some ideas about how to how to make improvements. So that's what we really want. We want everything to be. We don't want this to happen again. We don't understand what happened. Make sure that there are, are controls in place so that doesn't happen again, and have a report that everyone feels really good about. So tomorrow is our first reading. Uh, uh, Mr. Palmer, who's the the city attorney, has some options for us to consider. We're going to see those with the public at the same time tomorrow.
0: Very right, good. And there was one more uh, topic I had wanted to take up while you got your school board hat on, and that's that. School Rename over at uh, Riverbend Elementary, well uh, Coen <laughs> uh, actually bridget 's actually got <laughs> me on that during the program last week, uh, but another point you had brought up during that conversation was that well now there 's been i believe four schools, either hyphenated or in the case of Cocteguen, fully renamed. What do you do in the future for future renames? That was the point I believe you were making. Could you expand on
1: that? Right, right. Yes, I I, I advocated the board. No, it wasn't wasn't uh, successful in the moment, but I but I believe we're going to get there. And that is uh, that we should have a policy in place. So what it, what has happened is that we have been gifted names. So in the in the native community, they have gifted names to our buildings. Our, our buildings are generally place based names generally not not all of them but that's that is how it's been for the last many years and place-based names in a place that is uh traditional lands of the the clinket make a lot of sense to be gifted a name and so that has occurred what happened at the in the case of de heen is that we were gifted a name but then we were simultaneously asked to eliminate the current name and you know wh- whatever people feel about riverbend or not about riverbend I just thought, and and I think the the rest of the board um, agrees, is that we need to have a policy about this. We need to we need to understand it. We, we don't we never we don't name initially a building uh, lightly either, and so there's a reason it's there. And so, under what what is the right process? What's the best process for the community um, to engage? Because because the cox to came mostly from the current members of that building, which is fine. Um, but maybe there's a maybe some of the maybe the, the alumni should be involved, or maybe other stakeholders should be involved, and it's and it's no reflection on whether or not Cox Gouhine was a great choice for that building, but it's it's about uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have policy. All we really do at a school board, we, we elect a superintendent, we choose a superintendent, we define the budget, and we set policy. So for we want everyone in the community to understand how does this process work. If somebody wants to change the name of a building what do you, what what is involved
0: so so not to not to uh, perhaps stop somebody from or, or a group or 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 an entity from uh, providing a gifted name to a school but rather to establish a process is what you're saying
1: correct and the difference this time was that i think everyone was comfortable with a, you somebody gives you a gift you don't really have a policy around a gift well actually we do have policies around gifts uh, believe it or not but, no, but not in this context <laughs> but this well, context. And so that so that, there you go <laughs> but receiving a gift is one thing changing a name is is a little bit different uh and i think we need to honor those folks that created that first name to make sure that there's a there's a just process. you're right you're right it's about process going forward so that everyone knows how does this how does this occur so that so that we continue to have the great support that we, we need to have for our schools.
0: Well, Brian, I hope I, I hope you didn't have anything to add because we are out of time. But well, thank you for being great. here. Thanks for your time. Uh, that's the program. Tune in tomorrow. We'll be speaking with Sea Alaska Corporation Board Chair Joe Nelson. So be sure to tune into that. meantime, it's June 29th. Thank you for listening. This is Kevin Allen fraction line signing off.